2: Hello, and welcome to the Barbican's podcast, Nothing Concrete. I'm Josie Long, and this is Sound Unbound, where we explore the music that moves creative minds. In this final episode of the series, I'm excited to bring you a special edition, featuring our resident music expert, Ben Jernin, and the award-winning musician, Nitin Sawney. Today, it's all about the space around us and how it influences the creative process. Ben's considering how the Barbican space affects the way he works as a conductor. A knit reflects on the way a sacred space in Coventry inspired his work as a composer for a specially commissioned piece. First, let's sneak in the back door and join Ben at the Barbican. So here
0: we are backstage, all the dressing rooms over there. And then we come through to the main auditorium and Gosh, it actually looks quite small when there's nobody in here.
2: The Barbican Hall is the main concert hall. There are also two theatres, three cinemas, two art galleries, a library and a conservatory. It's the hall that Ben's most familiar with. Yeah, it's quite quiet, actually. I think it's
0: always quite special when you're in a concert hall on your own because normally when I walk onto the podium, there's so many people in here, but actually when you're in a performance space... And there's very little noise. It can feel really relaxing and calming, actually. It's um, quite a meditative feeling. I guess there are about 2,000 seats here, and there's these wonderfully angular lines, so you really feel that everybody's looking straight at the stage. You feel that the access between the audience and the conductor or the performers is really strong. I love in a way that it's not a 360 concert hall, so there aren't people sitting behind the orchestra or behind the choir, but actually it's very much directed straight out towards all of the seats, and I think that's really good for the repertoire that involves choruses and orchestra, and I've seen some amazing performances in this hall. Some that really spring to mind are Sir Colin Davis conducting um, Verdi's Otello or when he conducted James Macmillan's St John Passion. I sat in that audience and I was transfixed. I really felt that the choir were just singing directly at me, even in all of the quiet moments and the really strong, powerful moments. I was kind of pinned to the back of my seat. And I just remember walking out of the Macmillan performance feeling almost like a changed man. It was sensationally good.
2: I hope you've all also felt the joy of listening to a sensationally good performance. But how does a performance become sensational? How does Ben approach his prep and how much does he consider his surroundings?
0: I think... When you're preparing for a concert, the space is a really important issue. And it's often something that comes quite late in the process because when you're sat at home as a conductor, you're poring over the scores, you're trying to work out what the philosophy is, how loud you want things to be, what your interpretation is. But then suddenly, when you're in the space and you have 80 people and you're working with a, an acoustic, it's very much, rehearsals are very much about using the space to really amplify your wishes and your interpretation. So I feel that the Concert Hall is as important as what the musicians are producing in the orchestra.
2: I really do subscribe to the idea that our surroundings can have a profound effect on our mood and our creativity. They're so instrumental in rooting us and inspiring or depressing us. Let's explore that further with a move to the Midlands. Ben's going to take us through an ecclesiastical keyhole. Another
0: striking building in the UK is Coventry Cathedral. And for me, it shares many parallels with the Barbican Centre. The Barbican, a brutalist demonstration of post-war Renaissance, Coventry Cathedral built on the old foundations that were destroyed during the war.
2: Q. Nitin Sohny. Nitin is a composer and performer. He's won a shed load of awards, and as well as composing and producing, has also scored over 60 films. His production styles are varied and ever-changing. One of his most recent projects was a choral piece commissioned as part of Coventry City of Culture's celebrations. Let's hear more.
1: Ghost in the Ruins was it was an idea of writing a piece to celebrate the life of the cathedral, also look at how Coventry as a city has evolved and grown, particularly since the bombings of World War Two. To write something or create something that felt like it was connected to not only the city, but the people of the city and the community. So there was a real interaction with the cathedral choir, but also local community choirs as well. A choir with no name who are consisting of people who have lived experience of homelessness. In a way, it was about human spirit and it was about human resilience and Ghosts in the Ruins are, I guess, those voices from the past, ancestral voices and the voices of the people who built Coventry, I guess, being invoked by the by the music and by the idea of this but it was also the spirit of the buildings you know of these beautiful new cathedral and the old cathedral whether that included benjamin Britten, whether that included all of the people who'd actually ever sung in there or, or sat in in a congregation there or whatever I feel that spirits are always, in a way, walking amongst us in our hearts and minds. Um, You know, whether you literally believe in anything like that, ghosts or not, is, is not the issue. It's very much about keeping the spirits of those people on whose shoulders we stand alive. One quick note, Coventry Cathedral has staged some pretty famous
2: debuts, notably Benjamin Britten's War Requiem in 1962, which Nitin mentioned. It was commissioned to mark the consecration of the new Coventry Cathedral after the original was destroyed in the Second World War. Like Britain, Nitin's piece was also performed in the cathedral, and he referenced
1: some elements of Britain's work. We were performing in the cathedral, and of course this was very famously the location of Benjamin Britten's War Requiem, when it was recorded, the piece I wrote was very much about celebrating the the city. It was supposed to be quite an uplifting piece. And it was really thinking about the city in terms of the symbol of the phoenix, which is something that a lot of people in Coventry relate to. And this idea of the city rising up from the ashes of World War Two and the ruins of the cathedral. So it was really kind of celebrating that resilient spirit. And i began begun the whole piece by reciting Dolce de Est, which was a poem by Wilfred Owen, who actually, very sadly, he was one of the war poets who died on the last day of World War I, but was you know, very strongly anti-war, as was Siegfried Sassoon. And, you know, there were certain war poets of that time that I grew up really admiring. What I did was I used largely kind of onomatopoeic recited syllables in the same way I'd seen because years ago I worked with Cirque du Soleil and uh, this is something they do, They they make up language which I found really quite powerful because in fact you could project your own emotions onto that. You know, there's lots of people who've done that historically in pop records and so on. I remember loving Elizabeth Fraser's work in the Cocteau Twins when she would do the same kind of thing, working with vowels and and consonants in a way that sounded like they were real words but weren't at all. But I kind of tried to create words that had a a flavour of Latin as well because it was a cathedral choir. So there were three choral pieces that I'd written for the new cathedral with some instrumental pieces in between which were played beautifully by Eos who's an incredible violinist and Eva was singing as well as in a way that was kind of using her voice more as an instrument rather than singing actual words. was lighting, replicating this idea of World War to spotlights or searchlights, you know, into the sky and projecting onto the clouds and so on, which was stunning to look at. So it felt like a really epic experience.
2: Knitting's composition is a celebration of space and a celebration of a city, is uplifting and thoughtful. When Benjamin Britten wrote his piece on Coventry Cathedral, the recent horrors of the Second World War made a big impact, and that was something he wanted to underline in his war requiem.
1: I think war inspires art. Wilfred Owen's poetry is incredibly evocative and very powerful. And the imagery that he creates in uh, Dolce de Est, for example, is quite visceral and, and brutal and honest, which I really like. Countries that are war-torn, or people who come from oppression generally, I think create the most amazing music. The Benjamin Britten War Requiem itself is is absolutely stunning. And it has so much more power because it comes from war. Michael Tippett with Child of Our Time and uh, I remember seeing it at the proms and thinking how powerful it is not only with the music but also the lyrics because they come really come from the heart and they really are very cohesive with the music where he talks about refugees in Europe how we need to value those people so it's it's timeless, it's not great art for me, is never about fashion it's always about honesty and, and creating something that feels connected to the time If you think about a
2: requiem, sung in Latin, staged in a cathedral, you might imagine a work of remembrance that's gentle or sombre. But Benjamin Britten could be pretty unflinching in his music, something that chimed with that moment in the middle of the 20th century.
0: There are some really strong parallels between Britten's war requiem and the space of the Barbican. The architecture of Benjamin Britten's War Requiem is very stark, it's quite brutalist and angular. It's a very interesting monument of remembrance, because on the one hand you have memories of pain and conflict, but on the other hand you have feelings of reconciliation and remembrance. The starkness of the contrasts enables us all to think about how we want to proceed to the future.
2: It can be easy to underestimate how much impact the space around us has on our well-being and creativity. Composers like Benjamin Britten and Nitin Sawhney remind us to look up and across and out. It makes me think about the title of this podcast, Nothing Concrete. So much of our lives we're told that certain things are immovable, solid as concrete, but actually. Creative acts let us redefine who we are and what's possible. In this episode, we heard Ghosts in the Ruins, included here by kind permission of the composer Nitin Sawney, Reservoir Media and Coventry City of Culture Productions. Ghosts in the Ruins is available to watch on BBC iPlayer. Benjamin Britten's War Requiem was performed by the Barbican's resident orchestra, the London Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Jan-Andrea Naseda, courtesy of LSO Live Limited. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound Unbound, part of the Barbican's Nothing Concrete podcast. To listen to the rest of the series, subscribe to Nothing Concrete wherever you find your podcasts. Sound Unbound is presented by me, Josie Long and features the expertise of Ben Jernan. Thanks to Nitin Sohny for his contribution. The podcast is produced by Alexandra Quinn for Loftus Media and the executive producer is Freya Hellier.